KRVN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A market that turned to the negative on the soybeans. A little bit of mixed trade going on on the wheat and higher for the corn. Just to talk quickly about the livestock side, uh, nice to see some green on the screen, especially for these markets that have had struggles as of late. We're going to look at a variety of factors that have been kind of weighing in on this market trade today with Jeff Peterson. Jeff is with Heartland Farm Partners. And uh, Jeff, I know a lot of folks uh, looking at this soybean number, the drop that we saw within the trade and wondering obviously harvest pressure on the dollar trade what's going on globally there's a lot of factors that are kind of weighing into this market trade today yeah there really is and and you're exactly right you know we've had an interesting range today you know 16 or 1369 and three quarters is where november closed we did get all the way up to 1385 and then we've had a low of 1362 and a half so we've had some pretty good range you know as we take a look at that overall everybody is questioning yield wise and and i think you know when stone x came out uh, last night um, or yesterday when they came out with their yield numbers and saw a little bit higher yields out there than what uh, they reported last time. I guess everybody thinking, well, okay, are these yields going to be a little higher? And then overall, you know, everybody's watching very closely what's going on with that lower Mississippi River, and it's probably a bigger deal. And what I'm talking about there is the fact that we've got the low levels of river, and, and as a result, they're having to not only – um, not load the barges as, as much on those particular barges. You know, the, the draft that they've got right now is at nine foot six inches and, and they've had to reduce those barge toes. So from, you know, having 25 or 36 in a, in a tow down to 25 just so they can navigate through. And, and the, the Corps of Engineer, you know, they're still working their way through and, and trying in some of those areas where they've got some problems where the, the draft in the river is and is, is low, they're physically trying to dredge some of that out. And, and I bring all that up because usually right now we've got a good stream of beans going down to the Gulf. And, and when you have some uncertainty like that, uh, you know, that, that all of a sudden puts a little bit of pressure on the market along with also some harvest pressure out there, Susan. And, you know, and, and that's kind of what's setting up what's going on right now on the bean side. Well, I'm glad you brought up the Mississippi River because there's been a lot of talk social media wise as well noticing maybe the barge traffic isn't as fast as it has been and like you mentioned having to put less beans just less grain in general on these barges is causing for a a bottleneck as well in trying to get this crop moved to port yeah it it really is so you know you've got pockets out there you know normal drafts through there you're going to be at about 12 feet and any other set at nine foot six inches now something to keep in mind though anything that's coming in off the illinois river um, those normally only loaded about nine feet anyway. So, so it's not that if everything that's coming onto the Mississippi River has had to be reduced on that draft. Um, but, but it definitely is causing some issues, causing freight to go up. And, and we're seeing it as we look at right now, we watching what those bids are right along that eastern edge of Iowa on those facilities that do load into the Mississippi. Um, we're seeing basis back off. Now, as we move a little bit further in, we have not noticed the basis back off as it gets back to some of those eastern processors. They're actually still holding in there very strong. Now, why are we even talking about this? Do any of our beans go by barge you know, down to the Gulf? No, they don't. But what's important about this, Susan, is the fact that what that means is that if there's not enough flowing down to get enough beans by barges through the Mississippi down into the Gulf, then they need to source those bushels from somewhere else. And so they may need to reach out to the Western Corn Belt by train and pull some in, or they may need to go ahead and switch a ship that was going to load in the Gulf. Instead, now they're going to load it up in the Pacific Northwest. 
And so now all of a sudden, um, you've got to you change where those beans are coming from. So, you know, that that's a dynamic that we're watching very close right now. So I'm glad you brought that up because I swear you were just a mind reader because that was going to be my <laughs> next question. Is you know, folks in South Dakota, uh, Minnesota, I mean, some of these other states, maybe not as much Minnesota, Wisconsin, but, you know, the western half on the other side of the Missouri are probably saying, yeah, well, that really doesn't affect me, Jeff, because my grain heads to the west. But really it does because it ties up a lot of other traffic availability for moving this grain. Yeah, and, and overall for us sitting here within the listening area where you have, it should be a positive for us, Susan. And and that's the thing is that because there may need to be more beans pulled out of here or, or all of a sudden, um, for whatever reason, you know, maybe if you've got some facilities that can't get rid of some of their soybean meal or something in the east that is going to go down by barge. And, and ultimately now somebody in the West is going to take care of that. So overall, it should be supportive for us. Now, the reason I would talk so much about the soybean side as it relates to what's going on on the river is because, honestly, as we go over into central Illinois and a lot of those locations, some of their, their corn, their corn really needs to make its way, believe it or not, Susan, back over into the Western Corn Belt. In particular, back over into Kansas or maybe even down into the, you know, the Hereford, Texas area to some of those cattle feeders. And, and so what could end up happening in some of those cases and why, um, corn won't be as effective as much as soybeans in the Eastern Corn Belt is that ultimately some of those areas that uh, we're looking for some additional corn that are on rail, may be able to get it bought and then send it over to the West. And even for us here in the West is overall should be supportive for us on the values because if there is some grain that on the corn side that was going to go out by export out of the Gulf, you know, some of that can switch back just like we talked about on the soybean side back to the Pacific Northwest. And when I talk about the Pacific Northwest, I'm just talking about being loaded, you know, off the West Coast up in, in Washington. And, and some of those, you know, bushels may ultimately end up flowing that way instead, Susan. Well, it's thank goodness we didn't have the rail backup we had um, earlier in September when they were talking about a strike. Because I think that would have added a whole new element to this grain harvest time. Oh, it really would have. And, and we're going to have to keep a close eye. We know that not everything is settled for sure on the rail side. We know that they're going to have to make sure everybody comes through on the vote side on that. So we're going to have to watch that because that would be another item that would really put a curveball in, especially now that we've got the problems that there is on that southern southern part of the Mississippi. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we continue with this Wednesday Fontenelle Final Bell. When we come back. We'll talk a little bit of what's happening in South America as well. It looks like Brazil is actually a little bit on the green side which is a good thing for them but the struggle continues in argentina and export wise for us i think somebody keeps hitting the snooze button more is coming up it's the fontanelle final bell on the rural radio network Let's get another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. We're going to visit with Eric Wasini as part of the three-man crew for Peterson Livestock based in Oxford, Nebraska. So, Eric, you used to be a district man for Fontenelle Hybrids. Now, as a dealer, tell us what makes Fontenelle stand out above other local seed brands. I think a lot of it, as far as what really makes Fontenelle stand out, is our product lineup. Dealing with bear and what we get from a genetic lineup. In my area, it's a lot with soybeans specifically. We've got a little big issue with iron deficiency chlorosis. Um, and we've got several different beans, different maturities that work extremely well going up and down the hills. Um, we run into in Furnace and Arlen County. And so it's, it's really nice to have the depth of product selection that we have. For more on product selection, you can contact Eric Wasenius of Peterson Livestock based out of Oxford, Nebraska, or contact your local Fontenelle dealer or go to Fontenelle. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation with Jeff Peterson. Jeff was with Heartland Farm Partners. So let's look at it from an export standpoint, uh, Jeff, because we were talking about the flow of, of barges headed down the Mississippi River. It has been pretty quiet when it comes to any real export numbers coming out, especially from a soybean perspective. It, it really has been. And, you know, and that's something. So let's just step back and then we take a look. Let's go back to last Friday. And we ended up having a quarterly stock report came out. And, and as we know, it was supportive, um, overall supportive on the, on the corn side and ultimately on the bean side. It put a little pressure on there just because it looked like we had a few more stocks out there to deal with. And and as a result of that, though, as we've been digging into that, you know, we, we have to watch the export sales really close. We have to watch the export inspections really close. And, and keep in mind, export sales reports, they come out on Thursdays. The export inspections report, which tells us, you know, physically how much we're shipping. Um, those reports come out on on Mondays. And just to dig into some numbers there, Susan, to kind of put things in perspective, um, as we would as we would look at the um, report that would have came out on Monday on corn, year-to-date, we're up 3.9% compared to a year ago on export inspections. Now, keep in mind, USDA expects us to be down 8.1%, okay? And we're way below what's needed to be shipped, but on corn, so far at least, um, we know that usually this time of year we're shipping out more beans first. So there's still time. There's still time for us to physically see more corn. Now, as we switch over and we take a look at the soybean side on the export inspection side, you know, uh, year to date, though, we're down about 3.2% compared to a year ago. And and USDA has us down about 2.8%. So it's not terrible yet, but we do need to see those inspections pick up. And and as a result of that, we, we aren't too worried yet because we know that we're harvest is ads getting off to a little bit of a slow start here in some areas. We know that physically the movement of bushels down that Mississippi River is slowing things up. But it is something we're going to have to watch because we know that China, you know, China ultimately is is what's going to drive that market. We know that they did pick up some bushels, about 3 million metric tons out of Argentina when when Argentina went ahead and adjusted uh, for purpose of getting more exports, basically what their currency value was. But we know that there's there's beans that come out of Argentina every year. There's more meal that comes out of Argentina uh, to the world than there is necessarily straight soybeans, of course. But we do know that uh, every year China does pick up some of those soybeans. So, you know, that just kind of gives you a rough idea kind of where we're sitting on the export side. We're optimistic, but we are going to have to be realistic in watching those numbers going forward, Susan. Well, like it or not, we can't have a conversation about the markets without talking about the weather. And right now, Brazil's doing really well, from what I understand, uh, getting the rains that they need and the crops look good. Argentina, not so much. No, you're exactly right. Um, you know, and and that's the thing uh, we have to keep in mind is that why were the prices so high last year? You know, because we had weather problems that ultimately ended up hurting that soybean crop in in Argentina. And and so far, you're exactly right. The pace is getting off to a good pace, and so far. Um, that area is still experiencing La Nina, and we know normally that should not impact that Mato Grosso area. It should show a little bit of impact for the southern parts of Brazil, but so far it's been okay. But it is really having a really you know big impact on what's going on in Argentina. And we're going to have to watch that down the road. You know, The other thing we're hearing a little bit of um, out of Argentina is we are seeing them make some adjustments on their acreage. So not only are we seeing the planting pace come along slow, we are seeing them actually switch away from some corn acres 
over to some soybean acres, some additional there. So that, that's going to be interesting to watch going forward. Now, that, that's going to play out over time. But the thing we have to realize, and this gets back to your point that you brought up on exports, we do have a limited amount of time for our exports, meaning um, their crop will both South America, meaning Brazil and Argentina, they'll get their crop planted in here. Got time yet, even in Argentina. And then uh, ultimately harvest will come around. We'll see some of that harvest happening in the latter parts of December. But then most of it's, you know, Jan, Feb, and then March. And then uh, you then at that point, you know, our window is pretty well closed on what we're going to be able to send out for, for soybean, Susan. Well, looking at uh, dryness in the plains, does that cause any concerns for you? You know, it, it does because, you know, let's think about what happens this time of year. So not only do we have some subsoil levels that are really dry, and the, and the thing we're hearing on the yield side for a lot of these guys is that, you know, in some cases, even on the irrigated, they maybe weren't able to get on enough moisture because the subsoil just wasn't there. But we have to get anhydrous ammonia on this fall. But then going further south, you got to get that uh, wheat crop in the ground. You got to get uh, get it emerged because in many of those areas, they'd like to run some cattle on it and graze it. So they're going to miss out on that. So that might be a little bit of an increase there in the feed demand. And also in some of those areas, they may not necessarily have the acres or may not plant the acres. So coming back around, you know, it's possible that we could see some more sorghum or something coming in so this dryness that we have we hope that it does break but but it's something we're going to have to watch closely going forward Susan. great conversation forward susan <laughs> great conversation today what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you you bet uh, give me a call at 402-366-4694 check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com where you can get some free daily commentary delivered by text or email or follow me on Twitter at Jeff Peterson 01. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.